Two returned for the price of one, a magic trick for the ages, and an interview with Rachel's Kathleen Monroe. It's all here on our 12th episode of Resurrection Revealed. Thanks again for joining us on Resurrection Revealed. This is an unofficial podcast and blog by and for fans of ABC TV's Resurrection. We've got theories and more. All recorded April 9th, 2014. I'm Wayne Henderson. I do some voiceovers. So if you've got your own podcast or website and you need some voiceover services, I'd love to work with you. Check me out at mediavoiceovers.com. And I'm Troy Heinrichs, hoping more things don't start to disappear, especially this awesome show with all these awesome fans. Make sure you head over to resurrectionrevealed.com slash support and chip in a few bucks to keep the great theories and cast interviews coming. Whatever you would like to give is great since our partnership with Caleb kind of fell through since Elaine gave the money back. Yeah, she's such a giver. I just love that. <laughs> we are so glad to be with you tonight. Uh, in a little bit, we've got our interview with uh, Kathleen Monroe. Be sure to stick around because you're going to learn some great stuff. And what a pleasure. Great times. Absolutely. But you know who's not having great times? Agent Martin Bellamy. His past is definitely haunting him in this episode. Yes. And I'm glad we finally got some of the answers. It's not what I was expecting. And it definitely makes me feel for uh, Martin Bellamy. The thing that I really loved about this episode, and we'll get to our ratings also in just a little bit, but this, for me, we talked about how if you're a Lost fan, how there's certain episodes where you can say, this was the moment in Lost for me that right. kind of solidified this as the best show. Walkabout being for me, obviously the pilot you said was yours right from the get-go. Yes. This episode for me had that Lost vibe. This had the, when, when Bellamy picked Bent Down, and he picks up that ball from the ground and you go, oh, snap, that's the ball he's bouncing in the office and the pilot. I mean, that kind of tie in, that kind of emotional connection to have it thrown back to an earlier episode, that shows how clever the writers are. It shows how clever the direction is. And it just gives you that slow burn that a lot of people I know have been kind of complaining about because it's not giving you the answers you want right away. There's so much more to this show. And I think that's those character developing moments where you now know that Bellamy is in this till the end to make sure Jacob is safe at all costs. Absolutely. And not every television show has to have, you know, action and answers and just fast moving, fast paced information coming right at you. Resurrection is not that kind of show. Sit back, enjoy, watch everything, soak it in and just love it. Now, Let's talk a bit about Rachel's baby, because this could go any which direction on, on Resurrection. Oh, I know. I mean, first of all, to find out that, you know, Rachel committed suicide in this conversation they had in the past episode, and then to find out that she was pregnant, you know, when the suicide happened. I mean, this is just all kinds of theorists can come out of here, right? You know, you know, was it Tom's baby beforehand? Did she have an affair? Did she... You know, did she get pregnant afterwards? And she was kind of like in the episode, you know, Kathleen Monroe's character, Rachel says, you know, well, then the baby must have been in me when I died, you know, and this is really interesting to me because I think there's just certain hints at, you know, current topical points, politic wise, whatever you want to call it, because in order for the baby to have returned, it had to have been alive previously. So, you know, they're kind of making a statement as to the state of a you know, in utero life. And right. is that really life or not? And of course, the other side of the coin with uh, did the baby live through the whole thing because it was safe and secure inside of Rachel while this was going on? I mean, did she really die? And how long may she have been dead? Or did something just quickly happen? And all of a sudden she's returned. It's it, they're going to give us answers. There's so much for us to talk about. And like I said, it could go any which way. And I'm just along for the ride because it's too early to guess what's going on with that one, Troy. Well, and that's one question people asked. They were like, well, you know, was, did someone recover her body? And did she have like an emergency C-section? And is the baby alive, alive, alive now? And, you know, could that have happened? And because she's not showing, you know, very, you know, a lot anyway, you know, from this pregnancy in her current state, I don't think the baby, the pregnancy would have been that far along when she did drive off the bridge. So my guess is the baby and her died together. They came back together. Okay. 
we'll go with that. Now, we've got Henry Langston, and we touched on this a little bit on our initial reactions episode the other day. But the more I think about it, it's just great how it played out where Henry says, you know, he's ready to let go of the Jacob that they had, the one that drowned in the river. And at the same time, he is finally starting to get attached to this returned Jacob, not as quickly as his wife did, but he is getting attached and he doesn't want to have to let him go either. Well, and this is something that I think is going to come up more when we talk about Caleb and the whole disappearing act and what that kind of means for the returned. But first, you know, the thing with with Henry's scene, you know, this goes back to that slow burn thing. But again, it's a really great job by the direction in the writers because it's enough where you just start to feel and you start to get that, you know, sniffle kind of teardrop comes out of your eye, but they don't prolong it too long that it becomes cheesy. You know, and I think Kurtwood having to do that scene, you know, down in the basement by himself in that solitary moment. Mm-hmm. What an excellent job by Kurtwood Smith. I mean, total props this week. That 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 pulled at my heartstrings as a dad. You know, it was just absolutely well acted. Yeah, and your your kids are in a similar age group, so that definitely would uh, tug close to home. Uh, my kids out of college, so <laughs> but still, you can definitely relate and think back to those days. And we get a little more information about Elaine's upbringing. And Caleb is, you know, he's wants to be a good father, supposedly. And he's all about, you know, Elaine and everything. But it's almost like Ray is an afterthought. I, I don't know how to feel about Caleb and Ray's relationship. Not to mention we didn't see Ray this week. So I'm a little concerned. Yeah. And I think this was a really great dynamic between the two of them, especially as they're yelling at each other in the jail cell after she kind of confronts him about, you know, you know, the, the whole it's in the park, you know, we had those picnics in the park scene, mm-hmm. you know, and he's just like, you know, you Caleb is taking the, I did everything I could for you. You know, everything I did was to prepare you for the woman who you are. And Elaine is just like, you're so full of yourself that you don't even see that you have zero connection with me, your daughter as to who I really am, because I am who I am because I had to, basically fill in the holes where you weren't a parent, you know? And I think that's really the mystery behind this disappearing act is this connectedness. The whole show is about connectedness. Oh yeah. So how does this connectedness play into the fact that Caleb disappeared? It's going to be interesting to find out because I'm still in shock about the fact that he disappeared and how, how he disappeared. We want to know that was another one of those scenes that if you want to have a comparison to lost, when Bellamy looks up and Caleb is gone, that was like a lost moment too. Oh yeah, it was a, huh? <laughs> and we watch it again and again. Are there faces in the bubbles in the water? What what happened? Oh man, I tell you, I think the thing that we're really looking forward to though, and we'll probably we'll get more into Caleb, I'm sure, as the the listeners, the fans have had huge, you know, outpouring of new phone calls, new people calling in. And we'll get to those after the interview with Kathleen Monroe. But I want to know, so what implications does Maggie's phone call have? Because she really steps out on her own. She doesn't even con- you know, confide in Agent Bellamy. Like, is this a good thing? Should I make this phone call? She's so like completely wrapped up in the fact that this baby is just something she can't explain, right? She's kind of accepted Jacob. She's kind of accepted Rachel. She's kind of accepted you know, Caleb. But a baby coming back, you know, I got to call in some reinforcements. And I think this phone call is really going to set the stage for what happens next because now the outside world knows what's going down. Yeah, that's not going to be good. I don't know why she didn't turn to Bellamy. He would be the one to check with because he seems to be at her beck and call. And you know that he's not going to be happy because he, you know, working for some level of authorities knows that, uh, Things are just about to go insane because word is going to spread as soon as this outside person gets there and checks in on these cases. They're going to call somebody else that's not going to be very understanding. And Arcadia, Missouri uh, needs to batten the hatches because here they go. But this episode, and I can't wait to get to the listener theories. And um, Kathleen Monroe gives us some great insight as well in the interview coming up in just a minute. But I thought this was a fantastic episode. What kind of rating would you give this episode of Resurrection? You heard it before. I do not give 10s out lightly. This is the 10 episode of Resurrection for me. 10 out of 10, sentimental rubber balls. (laughs) 
they they were sentimental rubber balls because now we know the story 10 a 10 from troy that's like getting a 10 from lynn on dancing with the stars that this was a fantastic episode myself also 10 i'm giving it 10 out of 10 bubbling culligan water bottles Hello, I'm Matt Anderson. And I am Ben DiBono. And we are the hosts of the Sci-Fi Christian Podcast. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. A, a podcast. We're a podcast. That, and we say we bring theology at warp speed. Ben, what does that mean? Well, warp speed's kind of a sci-fi trope, if you will. We do theology. We do sci-fi fantasy stuff. So we kind of combined them into a tagline, a fun tagline. Not yeah. strictly accurate if you take it literally, but... Yeah, so basically we, like we talk about theology, science fiction, well, there goes our mix music. it together, yeah. and we're, that, I mean, that's us. That's the podcast. That's so the podcast. If you so like those two things, it's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. The Sci-Fi Christian, which you can find at thescifichristian.com. Yeah, sounds good, Matt. It's been a heck of a promo. Yeah, well, that's all from here. I'm Matt Anderson. I'm Ben DiBono. And we are the Sci-Fi Christians. Yeah, goodbye. Signing off. I think that was good. That was a pretty good promo. That was a heck of a promo. First take. High five. Yeah. Love those guys. Matt over at the Sci-Fi Christian. Be sure to check out their podcast because obviously we're talking a little theology on this show even. And of course, we still don't know if it's sci-fi or not, even though we've been told on good authority that it probably isn't. But you just never know. It could be a red herring. So definitely check out the Sci-Fi Christian at scifichristian.com. And without further ado, we are so pleased and honored to bring Kathleen Monroe's interview to you. So sit back, relax. We'll be back with fan theories in just a bit. Well, Resurrection fans, we are so honored and blessed once again to have a member of the cast stopping by. And of all days, it is Kathleen Monroe's birthday. <laughs> she plays Rachel on Resurrection. She's come back to haunt Pastor Tom into leaving his nice wife of many years. And it's just so great that, of course, you took your time out to be here. So happy birthday to you. Happy birthday oh. to you. Birthday, <laughs> Kathleen, from all the Resurrection fans. Happy birthday to you. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm so thrilled to be, uh, to be here with you guys. So, Definitely a good way to spend the birthday. Absolutely, for sure. And yeah. I guess the good thing about being one of the returned is that I guess you have no fear of aging when those birthdays come <laughs> right. out. Right, right. Yeah, I guess that's right. That was something that we uh, like kind of wondered about, like what, you know, if uh, if things go on, do they age? I mean, that's something we haven't really have had the time to see yet, but definitely would be um, would be a nice a nice thing to stay, you know, stay looking the same for a while at least, but... Or to piggyback off of the theorists, maybe it's like a Benjamin Button syndrome where you actually age in reverse. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I think anything's possible, for sure. That would take some interesting acting, no doubt about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it uh, would. It would. I'd be curious. There's some really like phenomenal makeup artists and stuff like that. Especially too, if, yeah. the, if the show gets renewed for a few more seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, we, in all seriousness, so to speak, <laughs> let's start with an easy question. We would like to know, Kathleen, what kind of drew you to this part on Resurrection and even being on the show? Well, I actually read this script um, when it was being made as a pilot. And I originally auditioned for um, the role of Maggie. Um, and so I came in and I, I met everyone for that. And I just really liked uh, the team and I really liked the script. Um it was just, it just felt like it was being risky. Like it felt like it was taking chances. It wasn't, um, you know, a network procedural, not that there's anything wrong with those, but it was just nice to see something that was um, really new and different. And uh, then I obviously didn't get the part of Maggie, but when Rachel came up a few months later when they were in production, um, I remembered, of course, reading the pilot script and, I just called my manager and I was like, look, like I, I, I love this show. I, I wanted, you know, anything to do with it. And I, I, this part just seems so, um, just so cool. Like the directions that they could take it. I didn't know much about it at the time, um, or much about Rachel. Um, and then, yeah, so I guess, it, I mean, what drew me to, to Rachel was mostly the show and being sort of vaguely familiar with, um, with the pilot and then with the, the cast that they brought together for it and um, really just kind of wanting to, to get in on it in some capacity. And, um, and then the, the, the character of Rachel started out, I mean, it's, it's just an interesting premise, right? It's stuff that 
you don't get to play because it's not, you know, someone coming back from the dead. Uh, it, it's not a convention of most TV or, or films, um, at least not in this way. Actually, I've played it. I think I played a zombie in a, in a George Romero movie of all things. But mm-hmm. I've been uh, the, the like the undead in that way. But this is just something as an actor that it's like it's not totally uncharted, but it's it's its own story world so there's definitely room for invention and imagination and um having the faith that i did in the um in the creator and the the writers i was just uh, really thrilled to to be you know welcomed in and to um to get the chance to to take a crack at this character and it's interesting to build that character too because you're kind of starting off in the middle of rachel's life and we get the big reveal this week that you know, we're all concerned about, you know, when you died and you're in Tom's relationship and engagement at that point, that we completely forget that you grew up in Arcadia, so you were friends with Tom and Jacob as little children. Mm-hmm. So do you have any nuggets from that kind of part of Rachel's life that you drew on as you developed the character? Yeah, I mean, we didn't, that, that stuff um, was something that I really wanted to find out early on, um, but... I didn't learn much about that history um, from the writer's perspectives or the creative's perspective. So um, Mark Hildreth, uh, who plays Tom, and I spoke about that, um, just kind of building up that past. Uh, so that was, I mean, it was our own in- invention in a way. Um, but just kind of talking about what that history would have been like, you know, that it, there was a line actually that got cut from the scene where we find out that um, that Rachel and uh, Tom or friends and of course knew Jacob where she says it, it was originally written where she says um, I remember when Jacob died that was the first funeral I ever went to and it, it's kind of a strange line but I really liked it because it's it's like you know that when you're a kid and that happens that's how it, I thought I thought of Jacob as as how this woman would have started to understand death and started to understand um, you know what it's like to lose someone and then now being in this place where she's come back from the dead thinking about life and death and everything that's sort of ever been in her concept of either one of those things. I, I think Jacob factors into that in a, in a pretty big way. And then, it, but I think really like the, the thing that felt important about those connections was just to give everything a bit of a sense of history. And, um, and I think in that way, I, it's just lucky to have, you know, especially someone like Mark, because I, I haven't had any scenes with them, with Jacob so far, but um, with Mark, he's so present and he's so, he's a, a really generous actor. So I feel like infusing what we have with the sense of history and, and having conversations offset and, um, you know, just kind of filling in all those blanks so that it feels at least kind of connected, even if we don't reveal all the specifics or we don't give all of our own, uh, you know, invented backstory. We at least feel like there's some kind of a, a connection and a, and a, a sense of history. Um, that's what that's what felt important about that piece of information to me. That's great stuff. And that line that you told us was taken out. I hope they include that on the DVD set because I think that would be a great point to bring up that uh, Jacob's funeral was the first one you had ever gone to. Yeah, yeah, and it wasn't a necessary line, and I think, you know, when you're making TV like this, especially this kind of ambitious TV, there's all kinds of little things that you just have to trim for time or for whatever else, so I I don't, I, you know, I don't fault anyone for, for needing to lose things, right. um, but, it, but in terms of, like, you know, getting my idea of the character together, it was just such a um, kind of interesting little thing to uh, to inform what we were doing. Now, I was wondering, had you read The Returned by Jason Mott yet? Yeah, I read it um, right. I, I think I was, you know, able to start the show. I'm trying to think if it was out. I think it maybe came out the week that I started on the show. Um, so I picked it up in the airport, actually, when I was flying out to Atlanta. Oh. Um, and then I read it. But I also, my my sister-in-law works in publishing, and I, I called her when I got the job, and I said, hey, look, I'm doing this show, and it's based on the book, and the book's not out yet. And um you know, have you heard of it? And she'd actually read an early manuscript. So we like chatted about that and it had gone through a few incarnations, I think, before it was even published. And then I read the book and I think it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful read and it's a really, um, really compelling concept. Like it's, it's such a, um, such a, uh, moving and, um, fascinating thing to think about the idea of, of, 
loved ones showing up the way they were when they died. And I think it, as that, it's a great, it's not just a great starting point for the, um, the series, which is very different from the book, um, but it's, it kind of tonally sets things up. Like, I think Resurrection is um, a relatively, like a beautifully slow moving show, especially for, for network TV. And I really love that about it. It gives, you know, the, the producers and, um, and the network don't seem afraid to let moments breathe on the show. And I think that felt, well, you know, the stories are, are in some way similar, but in many ways different. Um, you know, the story, the, the story in the, in the book and the story in the show, the tone is, I think, um, a similarity, and I think I think it was really. Um, I mean, it's a testament to Jason's writing and uh, to you know to Aaron Zellman and and the people who um, who are behind the TV show that they kept that intact. That is sort of lyrical, even though it is it is a television version. Um, they didn't lose the poetry, um, even when the content is different. Very uh, well put. What what do you think of the? Uh, pastor slash former girlfriend story how it played out in the book i mean it's interesting i don't want to i don't want to say too much for people who haven't read the book but um in some ways it's it's different i think the the one thing that i decided to take a little bit from the book because in in the book um rachel's character who's not named rachel but she's she's much younger than she is in the show and um and there's a bit of a, a volatility to her, like a little bit of a, she's a little kind of um, feisty and young. And, and I think I wanted to have little moments of that, um, like in the, in the episode um, Us Against the World, which was not this past episode, but the one before, where, um, where Tom and Rachel and Mark and I have our, our, um, our kind of the heated conversation by, or the charged conversation by the tree and the pond, um, such an amazing location. Uh, by the way, I loved, I loved the way that that photographed. But um, we, you know, there there would have been a few ways to play that, but we really wanted to get a sense of like a bit of heat and a bit of passion and a bit of um, like uh, a little bit of fire in Rachel, like just little hints of it. Otherwise, you know. The circumstances are so overwhelmingly sad, and so there's all this loss, you know, both in her life literally being lost, but also then this love that, you know, you see the potential of that was lost. We didn't want it to, I mean, I didn't want it to, to drag, and I also didn't want the whole idea of this character to be informed by her circumstances. I wanted to have a little bit of, like, a little bit of life and a little bit of spark in there, and I think the book was a good touchstone for me that way because because the character had that and um but you know, yeah i mean circumstantially like it's it's like it's so uh it, it's such interesting stuff i mean there's so much there's so much like it's such a range of of uh of things happening in in the dynamic between the two of those characters in, in both the book and and the show but i think in the show we get the time to kind of play it out a little more um that yeah, I mean, as an actor, it's like it's it's fascinating stuff to get to jump into. And with that scene with the tree, I mean, it's just a testament to how good both you and Mark Hildreth are, because you were telling me that that scene didn't go over so well with some of the local wildlife. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's I, I I give that all to Mark really because we started that scene really early in the day. And as it warmed up, um, I mean, like it's just so beautiful there. It's it's insane. So I mean, we would have we would have stuck it out with a lot worse than what we had to deal with. But what we had to deal with were, were insane amounts of bugs, like swarms of bugs, spiders, and you know, there was no path where we were walking. So it was just like kind of an array of uh, insect life. And as it warmed up, and we moved on to his coverage, we kind of shot my side first, and and I lucked out with them, um, with a little bit kinder circumstances. When they moved on to him, the bugs were so bad that all like I just had like mosquitoes and flies and gnats all over my face, and and like trying to keep it together for his sake. And he didn't he didn't crack once. Like he was just looking at me with those you know those eyes and that focus and that connection while we were both trying to ignore like all of Georgia you know insect life all over um, all over the both of us. So. Yeah, I give him. I'm oh, sorry, I just dropped my mic here. Um, I uh, yeah, I give him serious points for for focus and connection on that. I think he's he's a theater guy, so it's not surprising that he could just kind of carry on. But yeah, it was uh, it was funny. 
So getting into the heavier stuff then. So I've actually been watching the French version, The Returned, mm-hmm. Les Verrants, uh, kind of one episode each at a time so I don't get too far ahead. Mm-hmm. Even though the two shows are not connected at all, but some stuff seems to be very kind of similar in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So the sudden, the, the sudden, oh my gosh, the sudden swerve off the bridge into the river. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are like, well, was it really suicide? Because now that we know about the pregnancy, so a lot of people are starting to have questions. So in the case of the, the French series, The Return, did something appear, return, in the road, and that kind of startled Rachel to drive off the bridge? You know, I, I've i just been going with what the scripts have said and what, in, in the conversations I've had with, um, with Aaron and some of the writers, what I think is, like, who knows what we'll find out, um, but... But as things stand now, and as they were when when those scenes when we started playing out those scenes, um, it, I think it I think it is a suicide. I think it's a, I think the explanation that Rachel gives in that scene with um, with Tom by the pond is what happened. And and I I don't think and again who knows I mean there's room for there's room for um, all kinds of uh, things to be introduced. But um, but in terms of like keeping the uh, integrity of the story for for me and for the you know the the character um i i had to believe and i do believe uh that that it was a suicide um and uh yeah and i did i liked how you know when when that first came up because i i didn't know that when i took the job i didn't know that when we started um but i liked that uh when i asked them okay so it, it actually got thrown in um to the script, I don't know if, if other people mentioned this, but the scripts were not released to us very early, so we wouldn't have a lot of time to um, kind of process and then you know prepare and then jump into the shooting. We were kind of shooting and reading and shooting and reading, and um, so when I found that out, I just yeah, I, I you know pulled to one side and I was like, look, like why did this happen? Why did she do that? And I think the what I respected tremendously about the way that they handled that piece of information is that they said, you know, they're like we're not going to make this a a simple thing of like you know something happened and then she couldn't stand it and she took her own life. Like I think they really wanted to give a sense of a complicated person who suffered from depression, who was you know deeply in love and had a lot of good things in her life, but that there's some uh, to some extent mental illness at work that. Um, that that led to those uh, led to that happening. So um, I liked that it wasn't simplified by you know, oh my God, there's a baby and she can't handle it. Or because I really truly believe she didn't know before she died that 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 was um, true that she was pregnant. Um, so I think it's like I, yeah, I do I do think it was a suicide, and I do think that um, there's just scratching the surface, but um, but that there there was you know, that she was a, a depressed person. And I, and I think, um, yeah, again, I, I applaud the writers for, for just, for not trying to oversimplify that and for showing a bit of, just a bit of the, the struggle, um, uh, you know, around uh, the, the moments leading up to her death that, um, you know, that we get to see at least so far. Um, yeah, so that's my take on it. Want to remind everybody, we are talking with Kathleen Monroe, who plays Rachel on Resurrection. Kind of you uh, to take some time with us this evening. Now, a lot of fans, Kathleen, are keying on the fact in this last episode that you told Maggie not to tell Tom about the <laughs> pregnancy. Now, we don't know if that's because maybe Tom will react uh, to your death that may have killed the child or do you think it's potentially that Rachel had an affair and this baby might not even be Tom's? Uh, yeah. Anything like that might play into it. Any any hints you can give us that you're allowed to tell? Oh, I love I love I love how uh, I love all the speculation. I'm like I, I it's amazing to have um, people you know weighing in on their ideas. That's so fascinating. I, I actually I will. Uh, be honest and say I hadn't thought of an affair, um, but again, anything's possible. Like the, this show does play out very slowly, so new pieces of information come up all the time. Um, but what I can say is that I, I I think in that moment when she says, "Please don't tell Tom," I, I think that's a moment where Rachel's really, really thinking like, "A, she needs some time to process this," but 
B, and B, she doesn't want to be like, I mean, you know, kicked out of Tom's life yet, I don't think. But I think she, I, I do think she's got some empathy for him. And I think as much as she wants their love back and she wants him back and she is consumed with regret for um, all kinds of things, I, I don't think she wants to sabotage his marriage. And I don't think she wants to... Um, you know, ruin his life as he's built it. Um, so as much as that's a struggle for her, I think I think that's that's you know she wants time to process, and then some really interesting uh, things end up happening in the next few weeks um, that I'll I'll wait to to have unfold on their own. But um, mm-hmm. it 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 gets pretty gets pretty interesting the way that that all plays out. Um, but yeah, I, th- I I think in that moment she really is just shocked processing and. Uh, really hoping to not sabotage Tom's life anymore than she already has. And then we had some more fans chime in on Twitter and Andrea actually asked uh, if you actually can relate to Rachel in your own life. And if so, how? It's so, yeah, it's so that's an interesting question because like the entire premise in a way of the character is, is totally invented, you know, like, I, I have no idea what it's like to to come back from the dead, and I think that's what makes it so interesting to play because you get to use your imagination and build uh, this sense of truth around these extraordinary circumstances, um, and hope that things feel faithful to the version of the story world that we're all creating. Um, so now it's like it's it's this amazing exercise in in imagination and invention and trust in the process and trust in the people that that I'm working with. Um, But then as a human, because like I said earlier, I I don't think the character's circumstances are the only thing that inform her and I don't want them to be. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I've certainly, um, you know, I, 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 I've never, I've never been suicidal, but I, I, you know, I, I, I certainly understand what it's like to be in love. Um, That's something I can connect I can connect to, to Rachel on. Um, I know what it's like to feel, you know, struggle and that kind of thing. But I, I really think I've been relying on on the writing and then, you know, drawing on on a variety of uh, emotional experiences and imagination and uh, and the work of the people that I'm I'm lucky enough to be in the scenes with and um, the writing that we have. So it's it's a bit of a, a mishmash of of things that go into creating that character for me. Um, yeah, so I hope that kind of answers the question. And then Juliet asked, obviously because she loves Tom and Rachel together already, what kind of hope can you give her for a Tom and Rachel kind of running into the sunset story? <laughs> well, I I honestly wish I knew um, there will be some uh, complications and some you know, some, uh, I, I, I think they have a connection for sure. How that all plays out and where it all ends up, I don't know yet. But, um, but they, they, de- they definitely are connected. And I think that's something that, um, that n- no one can, can deny um, in that little story world. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I, now, I noticed from your Twitter page, at Kathleen Monroe, that you link not only to your excellent IMDb page, but also a cool Tumblr photo blog. You know, and there's some really cool photos that I like on there from Montreal and some other areas. How long Thank have you. you been a photographer? Um, oh, I mean, I, I that page too, I should say, it, I've, I actually was just thinking today that I need to update it because it's been, um, it's, I, I'm a little behind on my updates, but I, I found my dad's Pentax from the 70s, um, an old camera, when I was probably like 14 or 15, and um, and just, yeah, learned how to use it, and I, I learned how to develop uh, my own pictures, which I don't do so much anymore, but um, but I do, uh, yeah, I, I, I just love, I love taking pictures, and I especially like taking pictures on, on film cameras. Um, the last two days I just spent uh, up in, in Death Valley, so in a, a kind of a desert um desert landscape um uh shooting on some i think i've i think i've had maybe like five cameras with me or something so um lots of different different kinds of uh stuff so i mean i'm learning all the time i would call myself like at best a hobbyist i mean really not anything uh anything more than that but i i really i i do enjoy taking photos 
um, especially yeah, again with film cameras. I think you just get a range of of feelings and moods and surprises and um, yeah, and it, it it's sort of like this uh, whole world of um, of uh, yeah moods. I guess is it like you know the feeling of um, capturing memories with different uh, lenses, different film stocks, different um, exposures and things. Uh, just kind of help me, I don't know, catalog things in a way that feel a little more true to the way I experience them and remember them. Um, so yeah, I do love photography. So if you ever get any more quote unquote spare time, you might pursue that <laughs> artistic side a little further, Kathleen? <laughs> maybe, maybe. I mean, I think it's going to be something that I always do, I, whether it, it I, I don't expect it to grow much beyond the hobby level that it's at, but I, I will, I love it. So it's, it's not going to be something I stop, no. We will definitely link to that Tumblr page at our show notes for this episode. We're talking to Kathleen Monroe, who plays Rachel in Resurrection. You can get those show notes at resurrectionrevealed.com slash Kathleen. And of course, you know, this isn't the first time, like you mentioned, that you've played someone kind of returned from the dead. Mm -hmm. I've been a big fan even before Resurrection, so I have the major question that all Alphas fans want to know. <laughs> how does the show end? <laughs> I don't know, and I would love to know, but I, I truly don't. Um, yeah, that was that was a little a little bit of a heartbreaking uh, cliffhanger there. But um, I mean, I don't. I mean, like there was you know lots of like jokey speculation about like a, a whole um, Gary spinoff or like a you know some world where everyone is is living on. But I I, I have no idea. But it was a it was a it was a sad one to see go for sure. I really enjoyed that show a lot. So even though Danny Rosen is a ghost, you can't see into the future. That's like one of those. I can't. <laughs> I, can't. I wish I could. I wish I could. No. Well, we've been doing kind of a rapid fire segment, uh, kind of getting a little know a little bit more about you, and of course a little bit more about your character. So mm -hmm. let's start out with uh, your favorite color, and what is Rachel's favorite color? Ooh, okay. Um, see, I've been listening to the podcast, and I should have answers to these, like <laughs> totally on hand. But here I am, and I don't. Um, okay, my favorite color, probably. I'm gonna go with like a, um, like a seafoam green, like a mint green. Uh, I I don't know. I like, I like that kind of '60s color. Um, reminds me of the '60s, anyway. Uh, then for Rachel, I, I'm gonna go with red. I'm just gonna say red. That kind of sounds Maybe. like her. Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, that dress and the, I think she was a little spunky, so, yeah. How about your favorite movie, Kathleen, and what do you suppose Rachel's favorite movie would be? Oh, God, favorite movie, that's such a hard question. Um, well, geez, I mean, for me, I I guess I'd have to default, I have the name of a movie um, tattooed on my body, so that's probably, I'd probably have to defer to that one, because it's, you know, chose to ink it, um, and it's called um, Pour la Suite du Monde, and it's a French-Canadian uh, movie from the 60s uh, that it just, it, it, it just, I, I don't want get to get into trying to explain it too much, because that's uh, not what this is about, but really beautiful, beautiful movie, I, I, I highly recommend it. Um, and uh, for Rachel, I'm going to go with Reality Bites. We had a lot of talk about Rachel kind of like living in the 90s. And, you know, she would have died in 2002. Um, and, yeah, I'm going to go with Reality Bites for Rachel. It's one of my all-time favorites myself. It's a, it's a good one, yeah. Uh, favorite season of the year? Oh, for me, I think spring because I grew up in Canada. Um, and... The thaw after the winter feels like it feels like you've earned it, um, and it's just when everyone kind of comes out and and congregates again, and it's a really beautiful time of year. Um, and for Rachel, uh, I'm actually I'm also going to go with spring because I think right now rebirth is probably a, a theme in her life. So, yeah, spring. Well put. How about your favorite band or favorite style of music? And of course, what do you suppose Rachel's would be? From my favorite music, um, I, I've always been a sucker for um, like 60s rock and roll, like early Kinks, early Stones, um, Ronettes, and the girl groups of the 60s too, I really love. Um, Rachel, again, I'm going to go a little 90s, I'm going to say Nirvana. I think she probably would have had a um, had a real spot in her life for, for Nirvana. Of course, and the tough question, if you had one person come back to life, and what one question would you ask them? 
gosh, I mean, like there's so there's so many. I'm I'm gonna. This is maybe a cop out, but I also mean it with all my heart in in another way. Because um, I've I've lost people in my life, and I've also there are like I mean too many artists and authors and musicians that I'd want to come back. Uh, but I'm gonna I'm just gonna say because I just lost him last year. My chocolate lab, my dog. Um, I would like to have him back for even just just a day, and and I'd ask him to um, run around and and uh, catch tennis balls with me. Excellent. That would be it. You know, on the set of Resurrection, what was the most fun that you had, Kathleen? And is it anything that we might get to see on the season one bonus features if they include some on the DVDs? Well, I think the most fun thing about the show was all the people that were involved. Um, the cast is just, a, I mean, beyond being like uh, remarkably talented and kind of, um, yeah, in- incredibly gifted people. They're also wildly fun to be around. Um, there's a scene coming up. I'm going to just mention this because it deserves, it deserves a shout out. And I think it's the best answer to your question. Um, there's a scene coming up. I can't say much about it, but I'm going to I'm going to place it. I'm going to say it's in the church and I'm going to say there's lots of people in it. And we had the most amazing background performers I've ever encountered in uh in in my career. Um the lot a lot of local hires in Georgia. Um people from around Atlanta, outside of Atlanta coming in to to be part of the crowd. And they were unbelievable. They were so committed and funny and they just made the whole the whole day it was a day with many 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 people um it just went by like it, I mean, we didn't feel like we were at work it was uh it was it was a really really fun time and it was one of the only times where the majority of the cast was in the same place at the same time um and then you add in all these amazing um people from georgia who were giving up their their time and energy um to help us tell this story. Uh, and it was, it was just an amazing time. And I, I hope it comes out to be a really great scene. I, I haven't seen it yet, but uh, yeah. That, sound, that sounds excellent. I want to keep my eye out for that. And mm-hmm. if by some chance we do get a season two of resurrection, um, me and Troy would love it if we could find <laughs> a way to get to Atlanta and kind of be honorary extra extra yes. somehow. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Let's, let's keep fingers crossed that that could all happen. That'd be amazing. And of course, the fans love the show and love everything that you're doing with Rachel. So is there anything we can do for you, Kathleen, to promote any upcoming projects or charities that the fans can help get behind? Sure. Yeah. Um, I uh, have been for the last um, year uh, helping to plan an event. It actually takes place in Toronto, where I'm from. Um, and it's funny, we just spoke about Nirvana, but um, the, it's the it just this week was the 20th anniversary of Kurt Cobain's death and Nirvana was a an important band to me growing up. So um, my friends, Leanne Balaban, who's also an actress, she was also on Alphas actually, um, Leanne Balaban and uh, Nicholas Bunt in Toronto have, um, we started an initiative called In Bloom, a celebration of teen spirit and the arts. Um, and it's a, it commemorates Kurt Cobain while um, raising funds and awareness for uh, youth mental health and uh, youth arts programs. Um, so we're actually having a show in May um, that's a, a benefit concert for um, for youth mental health and the arts. And um having Canadian bands cover Nirvana songs in Toronto. Um, and we had uh, this year a youth mentorship program where Toronto artists came in and, and mentored youth in the creation of um, original artworks inspired by Nirvana um, while kind of wedging open discussions about uh, mental health and the importance of, of uh, importance of arts in um, kind of coming of age and that sort of thing. So anyway, there is a, there's a fundraising aspect to that. Um, and also just a kind of, I think a, a really worthwhile artistic aspect to it. Um, so you can find out about that at uh, www.inbloomtoronto.com. And there's links to all kinds of stuff on there. Um, but it's uh, something that I'm yeah really, really passionate about and really excited about. Yeah, it's totally awesome. I, I've been in the Toronto area myself a couple of times, love it up there. And I think oh, cool. really great artistic community, really great cultural community. Yeah, we're finding out just how great it is. I mean, I, I've known I've known that, but just to finding out how giving everybody is and how uh, the crossbreeding is amazing. Like people are so interested in in uh, you know in each other's stuff. From visual artists, and we've had visual, visual artists, musicians, um, you know, 
theater directors, actors, um, visual artists. It's it's been really really phenomenal. So it's it's really inspiring actually. It's kind of it's the first time I've done anything like it, and it's been a really amazing experience. And of course, we'll link to InBloomToronto.com on the Resurrection Revealed show notes at ResurrectionRevealed.com slash Kathleen. Kathleen, again, happy birthday. This has been yes. so awesome for you to spend time with us and the fans. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much, guys. Um, been really enjoying talking to you. Thanks again for coming on. We greatly appreciate it. Have a great rest of your birthday and the rest of the season on Resurrection. Thank you so much. And wow, that was amazing. Kathleen Monroe, thank you yet again on her birthday, taking some time out to talk to a couple of podcasters. What do you think? I'm just, that that's the best gift ever. You know, I never got a gift on my non-birthday from a person that's celebrating a birthday. But uh, yeah, I, I can't believe, you know, how interesting Rachel's character is because there's so much we don't know about her and so much that we could know about her. And at the same time, even Kathleen didn't know you know anything about the character because she's literally getting bits and pieces and it's changing on the fly as she goes so props to her props to the entire cast for the great acting so far and uh buckle up because i think these last three episodes of season one are going to be something spectacular for sure and since that interview i now have nirvana stuck in my head so i'm rocking out at this very moment but i do need to change the pace because listeners have some thoughts and theories and some great comments that uh, might make us think about this past episode in a slightly different way hello resurrection reveal podcast um i will not reveal my true name but because i'm evil like that but i will reveal but you can just call me japonies for short now i would like to mention a few theories that i have about um, Caleb disappearing, and I'm sure that this Caleb disappearing event will cause a lot of theories to come out. Probably many better than the, these three, but I thought I would include. I thought I would mention them. Now, the first theory that I have is that perhaps because Caleb's in prison and he doesn't have quite as much food as he normally would out of prison, that somehow he sort of just vanished out of starvation or something like that. Because maybe the resurrected need need more food, more water, less sleep, something like of on those lines. My other two, th my other theory, is that the resurrected need someone to care about them, need someone to anchor them in this world, someone who cares about them and wants them there. Elaine would be that person for Caleb, and when Elaine stopped caring about Caleb, he'd sort of just dry up and disappear. That that would be one way of going about it. And the final theory, which I think is the best of the three, is that the re the difference between a resurrected person and a just dead person is that the resurrected, someone who loves them, has not let them go yet. They haven't quite comprehended, the, they haven't fully accepted that they're dead, they haven't let them go. And so that is what causes them to come back. And when they let them go then they van they sort of just dry up and vanish. That's my theory. And I don't think that Caleb had any control over this. I I don't quite know if I'd feel it'd be really, really terrible if Henry um or yeah, Jacob's dad just suddenly let Jacob go so he could love the new Jacob and then the new Jacob just dried up and disappeared. That would be really sad and I don't know what would happen to Rachel. And more importantly, Rachel's kid. And I really, how is that going to be addressed legally? That's 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 my question because that's a confusing thing. Anyways, this has been Chaponies here. Um, thank you for the great podcast. Bye. The Resurrection Revealed community of listeners is a stepping up big time. Thank you so much, Chaponies, for your call and your theories. Those are some great thoughts. I had not even considered that. It may have something to do with the people not letting go of those folks. And once they do come to grips and let go of them, the returned may unreturn. What do you think, Troy? Well, it, 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 both of those, I think theory two and theory three combined probably make up the answer in my mind. Because, you know, even if. Caleb's say Caleb comes back because there's unfinished business, right? It was for him. It was unfinished business taking care of Elaine or taking care of the family. But at the same time, if 
the living person comes out and says, you know, you know, I don't need you anymore. You know, you're, you're dead to me or you're done. You know, I think that's what then kicks into this whole Caleb, you know, starting to dematerialize, if you will. Right. So, is it because they finally let them go? Because I think when you let someone go, you still have love for them and you still care for them. So if you take, you know, Henry's situation, if we're about, if we're to believe that he's starting the letting go process, then maybe he's not fully let go. That's why Jacob's still here. Or is it because Lucille isn't really letting go as much as she says she is on the surface and she's the one that's still anchoring Jacob here because of the way she's treating the new Jacob, assuming that he's the old Jacob. So I don't know if the letting go theory is completely sound because of Jacob still being here and what we learned about Henry in this episode. However, I do think there's some relation with the whole like purpose or connectedness, right? So if they're no longer connected in some way, I think that's where the bond breaks and then you're done in this life for the second time because you've served your purpose, if you will. And it's interesting that uh, Mystery Caller, a.k.a. Chaponis, uh, used the phrase of the return needing an anchor to hold them here. That kind of reminds me of somebody maybe needing a constant on a past te- television series. Just saying. Could be another lost reference for the evening. Chalk them up. That's three. <laughs> That's all uh, allowed. You know, the, the, the food thing, you know, I, I still very much believe that Caleb was. Caleb's a con man to begin with, right? So the entire scene with Bellamy, you know, I need water, I need water, and he's coughing and choking. And Caleb knows way more than anybody else does at this point. There's more coming. You know, you have no idea what you're up against. You know, he's got this wavelength with the kid that uh, Bellamy uh, ended up getting killed, you know, in the earlier part of the episode. So I think for sure that Caleb was faking the sickness just to get Bellamy to turn around so he could, you know, disappear right off the map. So I think Caleb knew it was coming and he just didn't want Bellamy to see it. Well, then we had Mike Wither email in and he said, howdy guys, great podcast. Really enjoy listening to you two and your interviews are terrific. On to the episode in question. Two things struck me. The first was Maggie comes over to Elaine's place and starts to pick up. Elaine says something to the effect of it isn't worth picking up until they leave. Now, does this maybe just refer to the sheriff's men searching the house but could it also have a meaning in relation to the returned? The second was, not surprisingly, when Caleb disappeared, I don't think he went willingly. I think he, we find out why the returned eat so much. And again, he's assuming the whole, they need to be eating in order to sustain their place in our plane of existence, I guess. But the whole, you know, worth picking up until they leave, you know, I find that interesting. You can, you can take a lot of that out of context, right? Or take a lot of context is context is, is that a word? It is yeah. as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> right? It isn't worth picking up what, you know, picking up the broken parts of my life, picking up where I left off, picking up, you know, with what I was doing before these returns showed up, you know? So I think that's a really interesting line by Elaine. You know, it isn't worth picking up until they leave. That makes sense. I'm going to keep an eye on that one as well. I, I really appreciate that uh, email, and I think that could be the way that we go. Now, we also have another email uh, with something else to blow our minds to think about. Um, hey, Wayne and Troy, Jeremy Laughlin here from your sister podcast, Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC TV's Once Upon a Time, also on the Noodle Mix Network. I have some thoughts about Caleb's disappearance at the end of the episode, Insomnia. My first thought was, whoa, he can escape anything if he can teleport. My second thought, though, was that he looked legitimately sick, and so maybe he squandered his second chance and is being taken away as quickly as he returned. I also wanted to mention the Takeda, or Cicada, we don't have him here in Southern California, so I'm not positive on the pronunciation. Thanks for pointing out what it was, because I wasn't sure, Jeremy adds. Besides the fact that cicadas go into the ground and return, as you mentioned, they also shed their skin. They go on living but leave behind a shell that looks just like themselves, only dead and empty. Thanks for the podcast, Jeremy. Troy, what say you? That is extra mysterious. Going deep. Holy cow. Yeah, I totally forgot that cicadas totally shed their outer skins. And then, of course, leave that behind as the emptiness 
that's there. So it goes again to this whole spiritual presence of, you know, when we die, does our spirit leave and our shell remains? But again, he goes right into that whole thing about squandering the second chance. Yeah, I like and that. I really, really like that idea, you know, because, you know, Bellamy even brings it up to him. It's like, you get a second chance at life and you mess up again. Like, what are you thinking? You know, so really great points, Jeremy. Thanks so much for that. And of course, obviously, check out Once Upon a Time if you're a fan. That's oncepodcast.com here on the Noodle Mix Network. Hello, Ian Troy. This is Stephen from Wisconsin, fellow hacker fan and shareholder. Just wanted to quickly share my thoughts and feelings on the insomnia episode. I uh, definitely did like that uh, Elaine finally stood up to her father and called him out on things and really in the end just got things off her chest that I feel she needed to to be able to move on in her own life. Um, I do still believe that dreams can foreshadow events, like I said on my my Twitter early in the week, about uh, Caleb disappearing and that event actually happening, maybe not exactly in the manner of, the, of how the dream happened. But mainly in dreams, they don't show you exactly what's going to happen in your life, but the overall meaning could still be a, a possibility of an event. Anyway, that was pretty interesting and pretty cool, and you wonder if that's, you know, how a person dies a second time. Anyways, just want to share my thoughts of the podcast. Keep up the good work, and go Packers. God bless. Bye. Steve calling in at 904-469-7469, and I agree. The plane of existence in the dream world. I mean, how many times have you, Wayne, been walking around and felt like, whoa, deja vu? I've seen this before. I've done this before, you know, so you have those kind of echo moments, even in real life, you know, so who's to say that this dream state that the return may, might share is a foreshadowing of what's to come. Interesting. I would not be surprised. And to answer your question, I get that feeling about once a month, at least. Whoa, I've been through this before. And then because I watch all these crazy television shows, my mind is really starting to spin. I don't even know if I'm really podcasting right now. Or which universe you're podcasting in. I have no control. After Fringe, Lost, Under the Dome, Resurrection, I I could be anywhere at this very moment. Well, the thing that keeps us grounded in reality is, of course, discussing all of this great information with the fans. So we want to remind you that on any of the podcast episodes on the website, you can leave a comment and keep the discussion going right there on the website where we got Lucifer's comments this week. He did it over at the post comments at episode 11, resurrectionrevealed.com slash 11. And uh, Lucifer hopes that it's not Tom's baby. Rachel is bearing. And then he said, go Tom. (laughs) So hopefully he's he's you know cheering on Tom to be with his, his current wife, you know. But yeah, interesting thought, you know. We talked about that a little bit with Kathleen Monroe, right? You know, did she have an affair before she committed suicide? You know, did, is that what caused her to drive off the bridge because she had this grief for uh, cheating on her fiance? So what if it isn't Tom's baby? You know, that's another side of it that I've never looked at quite like that. So with that uh, comment, if it's not Tom's baby then maybe Rachel will go be with her family in Tennessee or wherever they really are. And Tom can stay with his wife, which is where he belongs. Hey guys, this is Jeff Gentry, X-Force 11. Here's my theory on Rachel. I, I think because of the pregnancy, she didn't know it, but maybe she had some hormones going and that just made her, Maybe a little more suicidal. Maybe. Here's another thought. Maybe she had a dizzy spell, and that's why she kind of put her foot on the accelerator and went off. Um, and she didn't know she was pregnant, and all these things were adding up, and, you know, so it's not really a, a true suicide in the, the fact of the matter. So it will be interesting seeing it was a wow moment, only to be followed by the wow moment later on But uh, in the prison. But uh, great episode. I can't believe they only have a couple more episodes left. Hoping for a season two. Thanks, guys. Bye. Jeff, thank you yet again for calling in the listener voicemail at area code 904-469-7469. So he's pondering, well, all of the wow moments, but also the maybe Rachel didn't really commit suicide and something happened and she 
just happened to go off the bridge. Now, it, it sounded more like to me from what Kathleen said that she has to take at face value what the script says, at least at this point, this says suicide. But it is something to think about, Jeff. And we, we are still trying to figure out those other wow moments as well. If nothing else, we have something new we could probably sell on Amazon, right? The the baby made me do it bumper stickers. <laughs> we'll have to get somebody to design that. Put that in our Amazon affiliate link at resurrectionrevealed.com slash Amazon. We got more great email. Max actually emailed in and said, would Pastor Tom be kind of a doubting Thomas character in the world of resurrection? And in the episode Insomnia, Rachel finds out she's pregnant, but since she was a suicide, what if the returned actually was the baby? And I'm not sure he's getting with it because obviously both of them are back, right? But interesting that he says doubting Thomas, you know, because hmm. Erie's the pastor, his congregation is ganging up on him, he's lying to his wife, you know, so does he really believe in his faith or was his faith kind of a circumstance of the fact that all these people died, so he was kind of looking to hide out in it? Hmm. I hope that's not the case. I hope that his faith is true and, and strong, though, like he touched on in episode one or two, you know, the fact these people are returning does make you at least question things, which is not bad to question things. No, because that's what makes these shows fun. Absolutely. Now, Ray Mays emailed in again and he said, you know, Marty calls Caleb's bluff. Fred isn't intimidated by him and Elaine rejects Caleb, and boom, he vanishes from the cell. I think that Caleb sees that he's no longer serving a purpose in the present time and just leaves. Well, for now. Caleb being able to intimidate the other characters is what drives him. So the drive to exist was removed when everybody basically kind of you know said, I'm not worried about you anymore, Caleb. You're just a con artist and whatever. So just like the need for food energizes the returned, they all have specific things again that drive or energize them. Uh, his bigger question is, of course, what happened to Ray? Where was Ray? He's a, he's a, wouldn't he have been here at home at least watching what was going on? Was they tear up the place? Uh, yes, where's Ray? Uh, I think that Rachel knows that uh, being with child will destroy Tom's life and she'll vanish too. So if you know, they go to this whole like, you know, we need somebody, we need this connectedness. If Tom finds out about the baby, would Rachel and the baby vanish? You mean literally vanish the same way Caleb did? Just gone. Hmm. That's something that, well, obviously to keep an eye out for. I'm not sure, but I am. I'm really starting to wonder about Ray because his absence was quite conspicuous. Many people have brought it up. And I have seen where uh, the actor Travis that plays Ray has posted a few things with the hashtag of Ray knows. So I wonder if Ray really knows some things and maybe he'll tell us next week. Maybe he's been out in the forest. So I was going to say jungle, but that's a different TV show out in the forest um, gathering evidence or something. I, I don't know. Ray, Ray, something's going on. I don't think it's just an accident. We didn't see him this week. He went out to the hunting shack with his speaking spell. He's trying to contact whoever he needs to, to find out what's going on. Oh, that's right. Because it's aliens. Maybe he's an alien. Could be. You never know. Either way, when all is said and done, we can all feel like Anne-Marie who wrote in and basically just said, stuff is going to hit the fan. That's going to be messy. And I do have a feeling that action is coming our way either this week or the following week at the latest. So keep your DVRs set for resurrection. Do not miss an episode. We only have three left. I can't believe it. This season is going by in a hurry. Now, some insider info for the week. Ginger is one of the stand-ins for the show, and she mostly stood in for Frances Fisher. But in this episode, Ginger was the person that was shot holding the sledgehammer as Elaine approached the house. So Ginger herself stated on Twitter that she really wanted to take a whack at that porch herself just for the fun of it. So stand-ins even holding sledgehammers. Ginger, thanks for filling in the gaps now. She stood in for Elaine as well as for Francis Fisher's character. So uh, Ginger's getting a lot of coverage on Resurrection. Yeah, and I think the the one big interesting thing, of course, is you know where did Elaine? Elaine must have learned something from Caleb, right? Because Caleb swings a hammer pretty meanly, and so does Elaine. So you know, at least something rubbed off from Caleb on Elaine. We'll have to see if more of that happens as the show goes along. Might just be jeans. Could be. But don't wear jeans when you're tearing up a porch. No, no, don't do that. It's dangerous. 
We just want to thank a few people. Uh, Bill wrote in uh, actually and said, not a comment, but just a big thank you. He says he usually doesn't follow a lot of fan sites or a lot of show-specific sites, well, besides Games of Thrones. Uh, but he's really impressed on the depth of the podcast and the additional content with the cast interviews. It's an amazing amount of material for just four weeks into the show at the time of the email. Great job. Looking forward to the rest of the season and future seasons. And we just thank you, Bill. And we thank all of the fans that have found you know time to listen to Resurrection Revealed over the past five weeks. We got three weeks left. We're going to be taking a break uh, for the week of Easter. But we will have an episode out that week. We got some more cast interviews. So we didn't want to leave you hanging in the space. So we'll be bringing those to you during that one week off before we ramp up for 7 and 8 before the May 4th finale. And I also want to make a shout out to the guys at Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV Podcast. They actually played our podcast commercial promo in their episode out this week. And it was during their water cooler segment, which I thought was really great because you get the water cooler in the front end and the bubbling, gurgling water as the promo ends. So take a listen to that. Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV, great show with our friends. Some of them up even in Canada. Absolutely. They do a great job. They've been doing their podcast for ages. Now, I want to remind you, Resurrection Revealed is not yet affiliated with ABC Television or Plan B, but would sure like to be. So if you can help make that happen, send us an email to media at resurrectionrevealed.com. This is a fan podcast, and we do have some costs keeping things running here. So if you'd like to help out the show, just go to resurrectionrevealed.com slash sponsor. You can uh, give us a one-time donation or an ongoing monthly donation, whatever you'd like to do to help show your love for the podcast and keep things rolling for us. And don't forget, every Sunday after the East Coast airing at 10.30 Eastern, 9.30 Central, 7.30 Pacific, if you're lucky enough to see the East Coast feed, we'll be live talking about our initial thoughts and chatting with you, the fans. So be sure to join us because you never know which cast member may just jump into the chat room with you. Until then, I'm Troy. And I'm Wayne Henderson. We'll see you next time on Resurrection Revealed. Resurrection Revealed is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Get more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to help you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Like Under the Dome Radio. Season 2 is filming now, so subscribe and be ready to head back Under the Dome in Chester's Mill this summer. This and even more great content is waiting for you at noodle.mx.